It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is, is the Go Birds Podcast. Go Birds! Go Birds! Hey, hello, it is the Go Birds podcast presented by Parks Casino and Sportsbook. Elliot Shore Parks, James Seltzer coming your way. Obviously, if you heard our show on Saturday, some reaction to the draft. We have the full picture, the whole thing, the chance to check all the reactions, do the whole thing. And Elliot Shore Parks, let me start here. We have gotten, we've talked about this on this podcast, mm. that mm. Mr. Positivity, Mr. Optimism, a.k.a. James Seltzer, has gotten some pushback for the negativity from the fans. I'm just keeping it real. I'm being honest. Well, guess what, Elliot Shore Parks? This show is for all those people out there because Positive James is back. I loved what the Eagles did. I am super excited about what the Philadelphia Eagles did this weekend. This is one of these. One of these, Elliot. So, How about so that? Let me first, How about yeah, let me, let me, who saw that coming? Whoa! Well, what a turn! Not me. I didn't see it coming because, I mean, me and you talked about what we're going to do on the show. I've obviously talked to you throughout the draft. I knew you didn't hate the draft, but I was unaware you were ready to say you really liked it and give Howie what is probably a standing ovation or at least very close to not it. Standing, not, not standing. Not standing. Not standing. But yes, right. an ovation. Wow. All right. Well, maybe you should start then. I mean, now that the draft's over, obviously we did the show on Saturday. We talked a little bit about the Kenneth, uh, the Kenneth Gainwell pick, uh, McPherson. We did, I believe that's where it stopped. Those are the last two picks we got at. But just overall, I mean, you know, well, let's let's hear it. Like, why is Mr. Positivity? <laughs> well, look, first and foremost, anyone, if you haven't listened to our immediate reaction after the first round, I think anyone who listened to that knew that I was in a better mood about the Philadelphia Eagles just based on that alone than I've been in a while, right? Like, that one pick was the the happiest most excited I've been about something the Eagles have done in a long time. So so that alone, look, and you've said this multiple times, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but you've said multiple times that on a, on a basic level, like at the end of the day, if Devontae Smith is great, we're going to look back at this draft favorably, almost no matter what else happens with the rest of the draft. So, so I don't want to minimize the importance of the Devontae Smith night for me and how I feel about this draft, but look, I'm not an expert, right? I'm not Daniel Jeremiah. I'm not Dane Brugler. I'm not Mel Kuyper. I'm not Todd well, McShay. Don't, don't, don't diminish yourself, first of all. I'm not going to allow you to diminish yourself on this podcast. Thank you, sir. Continue. That's You're right. I am the world's foremost draft expert. Yeah, and, exactly. And look, all I could do is, is go off what I read about these players, the ones I have seen in the college football games I've watched, and, and the research that I do, and... 
I just really like the picks, man. Like, there are a couple that I don't necessarily, like, Milton Williams, I'm not over the moon for Milton Williams. I think it was a fine pick, a fine risk to take in that spot, considering the athleticism and stuff. But, you know, I mean, we, I'm way higher on Landon Dickerson than you are. I am a hashtag Dickerson guy. All in on this kid. All in on Landon Dickerson. I'm much less worried about the injuries than you are. I know it's a risk. I'm acknowledging the risk that it is. But I think what that guy can be to get at 37 is a risk I'm willing to take. And then I, I really like what they did in the later rounds. Like, look, I'm not going to say every six-round pick's going to be a star or whatever. But, like, as far as it goes, like, all I could do is look at these guys, where they're drafted, where they're ranked, all that stuff. And it looks like every single one of their picks is ranked higher on every single big board for the most part. I mean, even Milton Williams was in the range he's supposed to go. At no point did they take someone where everyone's like, what the, what the fuck was that? What are they thinking? Where are they going? Yeah. Like, it was all within you know, what was expected in those ranges. And in some cases, like Kenneth Gainwell, I mean, Kenny, you look at every single list, that guy's in the top 80 on practically every list. Like, it looks like an absolute steal. And then you watch the videos, you learn about this guy. It's like, oh, my God, I love this guy. McPherson, uh-huh. same thing, higher on every list you look at. Like, it just looks like the Eagles got value in this draft considering where they were picking in each of these spots. And I feel like you have to be real with it and say, hey, the Eagles did a good job this weekend. I, I Look, I am not there. I'm not like, oh, Howie Roseman, yay. I still am out on Howie Roseman in a macro sense. But but you also, even as a, a quote-unquote Howie hater or whatever, you have to be able to step back and be honest and say, I think Howie Roseman had a damn good weekend, Elliot. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about how you kind of evaluate, not you personally, but how drafts are evaluated right afterwards, right? I'm definitely in the camp of it's fun to grade them right away. You can absolutely sit there and say who had a good job and who didn't, while also realizing that we're not really going to know who had a great draft for years, right? Like it's going to be at least a year, if not two, three years, until we know, okay, look, like these are the teams that really crushed the 2021 NFL draft. But on the flip side of that, I do think there's something to be said for so many people saying how we had a great draft. Like that doesn't mean that picks are going to work out, but what it means is for people that do this professionally, like, yeah, Howie has more information than almost every person that covers a draft, like all the draft experts, all the beat writers. He just does. He has more information, but beat writers, draft analysts, they also spend a ton of time analyzing this draft and figuring out who should go where and, and, and those opinions. Right. And the fact that so many people think how he had a great draft, I, I think is impressive and, and meaningful. It doesn't mean that Gainwell is going to definitely be a steal. It doesn't mean that Dickerson's going to stay healthy. It doesn't mean those things. But what it means is the large community of, you know, thousands and thousands of people that analyze the draft, follow it, follow it leading up to it, watch it, you know, every single pick, all believe how he did a really good job. And me and you are on different sides of the Dickerson debate. Like I, we we had it out on Saturday. Like you were all in on it. I was not about it. And I'll just be honest in saying that I've like started to move a little bit more towards you. I think just because I came came out so hard against it, maybe part of me is like, all right, I overreacted a little bit. I still do believe that it was an extremely risky pick. Like I just do. That being said, he, they have him now. He's on the roster, and he could be very talented, and and it could work out. And so when I look at the pick, I you know I think seventy percent of the grade, sixty five to seventy percent of the grade is just flat out what you did in the first round. Like that's what matters the most to me. And I can't emphasize how big of a home run it was. Like a a week ago at this time, we were sitting here debating maybe they're going to take Elijah Vera Tucker or maybe they're going to trade down to like sixteen. Right? They ended up with Devontae Smith and a first round pick. Just a phenomenal job by Howie. And it's not the most recent news, but if we're talking about the larger scale draft, like that's what matters most. And he absolutely crushed it. And (laughs) the other thing real quick is on a larger scale that I like that they did. I like taking a lot of defensive linemen. I'm not going to pretend that I know all them in depth. I've been learning more about them and there's certainly each of them have some attractive qualities, but I just like taking a lot of swings at it because they do need like the defensive line is what's going to help rebound this. I've said again and again that the offense is what's going to make them a good team. And that's true, but you're also going to have to be able to rush the passer. So I like taking a bunch of defensive linemen over a bunch of cornerbacks, even though the bigger need is there. Yeah. And I think you said something really important there. I know you've said it on the radio when you've done the hits since the draft and stuff, and it is not, it is not part of the conversation enough. We all know it as Eagles fans, but but to your point, like Dane Brugler, the Athletics draft guy, like the Athletic, like number one draft. 
You've had the Eagles as the single best draft of 32 teams. You know, uh, Daniel Jeremiah loved, loved what the Eagles did. The NFL Network gave them an A for their draft. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Brian Baldinger came on and was like, Jody Cameron was like, thumbs up or thumbs down. He's like, two thumbs up. He's like, Landon Diggers is my favorite player in the draft. I would have taken him eighth overall. Like, you know, this That's and that. That's crazy. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. But like, the point is, there has been effusive praise from people who know what they're talking about about this team. And your point, the thing that is not even included in that, we're talking about A's and best draft and all that. That's not even including the first next year. That has to be part of this discussion. Like, not only did the Eagles come away with draft picks that people are excited about, but they also have a first-round pick next year out of this process. Like, you yeah. you have to look at this, the, the sum of the whole, and the sum of the whole is that, and again, to your point, it's going to take a long time for us to know truly who is great, who is not. Injuries, this, that. There are so many factors that play into to what the draft class will ultimately look like someday, but... But in terms of trying to, to grade it in the moment or at least react to it in the moment, all we can do is take the words of all the experts out there and then do our own research on top of that and follow up. But but the experts love the draft. And on top of that, he added capital for next year to the point where the Eagles have the most draft capital of any team in the NFL next year. Like, again, everybody knows I'm not a Howie guy. I've not been a Howie guy. That's the whole negativity thing is, is mostly been directed at Howie. But I am willing to, to admit when the guy does something good, and I feel really good about what he did this weekend, the way he maneuvered, the guys they picked. And look, also, when you look at the draft board, to your point with the defensive lineman, with the Landon Dickerson pick, like, we've killed this team in the past for reaching on need, for for forcing a pick, all that. It looks like, and again, we can't know for sure, but the way the draft shook out in terms of the positions they took, it's hard to say that they didn't stick to their draft board instead of going for yeah. positions in need. And I appreciate that, especially for a team that I think has a, you know, a couple years to build up coming here. Yeah. And I, I think that's a point not a lot of people have made. And I think it's a good one that we'll never know for sure. But leading up to the draft, we were saying, you know, don't reach for, for need, like stick to your board. There were all, all these debates about what would be the analytical board, like the, the scouting board, Lurie's board, Sirianni's board, all these things. But like, don't reach like they did with 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 Rager. Like they they took Rager for a need of a down the field speed threat instead of taking the player that they had higher on their board, which was Justin Jefferson. And it looks this year like they did not do that, right? Like Landon Dickerson is not a need. It's you could argue it's a philosophy in terms of just leaning offensive line, but it's definitely not a need. Their their offensive line, they have five starters. They actually have like some high quality backups. I think I think Nate Herbig could could be a pretty good backup. Uh, you know, uh, my lotto or Dillard, however you want to slice that. Like, so it's not a pressing need. And I, so I don't think they reached there for a need. And then the, as you mentioned, as you look around the draft boards, there really was nobody that was like, well, this person had them in, you know, the 200th and they took them at 70. Whereas you look at, I think it was the Cowboys draft board. Maybe you were the one that showed me this. Like there were picks they made where people had them like 100 slots lower yeah. than where they actually took them. So I agree with you. I think the Eagles did not draft for need. And I am in the minority in that, like, I'm not really tripping about the cornerback position. Like, they need to sign a corner, and they'll 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 have time. And, you know, maybe this is, like, a sign of me maturing as, like, a beat writer or whatever. But I remember back, it was a few years ago. It must have been, I think it was the year after 2016. It was leading into 2017. And the Eagles really needed a running back. Like, super needed a running back. And... I was at the league meetings. I think it was in Arizona. Howie Roseman was talking to reporters and all the questions were about like, what running back are you going to sign? You didn't draft a running back. How are you going to get one? Like blah, 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 blah. Right. And he was just basically like, chill, like guys, I'm, I'm going to get a running back. And I think after that, they added LeGarrette Blunt, if I'm not mistaken, they definitely traded for Jay Ajayi later. And so like they, if they had to play a game tomorrow, yes, they would need a, a cornerback. But they have a lot of time to do it. And in that regard, I can't look at the draft and say, well, I don't like what they did because they didn't take a corner. Like the, the offseason's not done. And I don't think they, I would have preferred that they stuck to their board instead of reached for a need at corner. Amen, Elliot. I, I feel so strongly about that. And that whole narrative was driving me crazy too. Because this team has so many needs long-term. Like, yes, like taking a guy like Landon Dickerson, like right now you could say that might not be the biggest need, but Jason Kelsey's not going to play much longer. Like, Brandon Brooks, who knows how long that guy has? Like, 
It's a need for this team long-term, down the road, the next three, four, five years. Like, it is a need. Like, I, I thought it was so micro to just focus on, well, who's going to play quarterback right now? Hey, you know what? Who cares? Honestly, who cares? They'll get somebody. Yeah. They'll play someone Agreed. out there. But, I like, agree. this is not about 2021. We've said that this whole time. Like, this has to be about the future. This team does not have enough blue-chip young players on cheap salaries and to our point, I think Ellie and I kind of said this a lot heading in, and we talked about it specifically with the first-round pick, but it applies to the whole draft. The idea that, in a sense, positions almost don't matter at all with this draft. You just need good football players. Like, you have yeah. so many holes long-term on this roster in terms of young, talented positions. They just needed to get good football players, Elliot. So let me let me push back on something you said because I was thinking about this. Uh, I finally forced myself to run after like five days of not doing it during the draft, just feeling gross. I was on the treadmill today and I was thinking about this. And you said that there's so many holes or that they're in so much in need of talent, it doesn't matter. And I, I do agree with part of that. But take a step back for a second. If you just look at the roster, like where are the major holes? I think we've gotten into this thing where we're so sure the Eagles are going to be rebuilding. And we're so sure no, there's no, such no, a flawed no. I'm, roster. Forget 2021. I'm talking about long term because they're. Oh yeah, okay, right. I'm oh, talking long term. Okay. I'm not like this, this season. They're plugging spots. Like they could be. They're good along the O line. The defensive line could be good. I'm talking about long term. I'm talking about Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. How long do they have? I'm talking about yeah, Kelsey Brook. Yep. I'm talking about they need young talent as a roster. They're like yep, we talk about all the time. Like how many guys under the age of 26, 27 are like, oh, that dude's part of this team for the next 10 years and is a great player and a pro ball player. Not many, if any. So that's more yeah, my right. point. I'm not talking about right now. And that's kind of what I'm talking about is I don't care about what the needs are right now. I care about the needs over the next five years, which in and a I, lot of cases is most positions. And I actually think the Eagles needs are bigger in a longer term than they are immediate. Because you're right, like they're they're an older roster for sure, and health is a major concern for this team, man, as it is now for Landon Dickerson, right? But if you if like in a world where you just look at them on paper and you don't take health into consideration, I mean, you know, like along the offensive line they have guys, along the defensive line they have guys. A receiver now, like if they would have gone Patrick Sertain at number nine and not drafted Devontae Smith, everyone would say you have a corner. But then the question would be like, who's going to be your receiver, right? Yeah, who's so, starting opposite Regger? Like who is it? Who would it be? Right, that would have been a major. Literally, who I is mean, it? Is it Quez Watkins? Is it JJ Arthur Whiteside? Like you got nobody. Maybe they draft somebody at thirty-seven. Right. Then I yes. Don't know, yeah. But. Exactly. But that's the point. That's the question you're asking Thursday night. Right, but when you go through the 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 roster like right now, I actually think corner, like number two corner, is the only real pressing like spot of of worry. I mean, Jalen Hurts is a whole another discussion, but you feel really good about running back. I think you should feel good about offensive line. Devontae Smith is a rookie, so you don't know, but we're both supremely confident in him, and I think he can be like at least a very good receiver next year. Uh, safety, you added Anthony Harris. I think that's an upgrade. Eric Wilson at linebacker, that's an upgrade. So, you know, as far as just like if they had to play a game tomorrow, there there actually aren't as many holes along the along this roster right now as maybe we think there are. I agree with you long term. Like, yes, there are absolute areas of need, but right now, do you do you agree with me that maybe there aren't as many holes as as we thought? Yeah, for twenty twenty one, I think it's probably like that. Not as many holes. Now, you could argue positions and how talented they are and all that type of stuff. Like, whether whether it's a hole or not is a different discussion. I mean, second safety, I think, is probably the other one that, that jumps off the page to you, right? Like, uh, starting quarterback opposite yeah. Slay and who's starting opposite Anthony Harris with, with McLeod Hurt and unlikely to be ready to start the season. I think that's a, a pretty big hole. Um, but, to your point, I, I agree. I think that... It's better than than we've made it out to be in terms of of holes on the opening day roster. I still think though, like where you get screwed is the depth on the roster and the talent and all that. Like the deeper you go, I I, I still think they're. I think they're probably. I've been saying like five wins. I think they're probably like a seven win team. Like I think they're probably a little better, like a six to seven win team somewhere in that range. Um, I still am not ready to say they're they're winning the division or they're that good a team, but. There, I think Devontae Smith really fills a big hole for this team for 2021, like and long term. But I think that was their biggest need going into the draft, and I think they solve it with a guy who's going to contribute immediately. So yeah, that certainly helps. So a little but behind baseball or whatever inside, um, I, inside baseball. So I'm somebody when I sneeze, I sneeze like five six times. In so a do row. I. Like it's, it's 
unstoppable. Yeah. And it's the worst when I it's the worst when I'm out in public because like you know the first pr- time you do it, someone says bless you, and then after the third time, it's kind of like all right, bro, like it's awkward. Just stop. So I have my mic in, and during your last answer, I was sneezing uncontrollably, but I pressed mute Look so that nobody could hear it. Bro, this is like a pro over here. So where I'm going with this, though, is there were multiple times I wanted to interject and be like, wow, look at you turning around on this team. But I couldn't do it because I was <laughs> But you saying, like, when we – it must have been less than three weeks ago. We went through the game-by-game, like, opponent thing, and you had them at, like, four or five I wins. think I had them at so, five. I think I had them at five, yeah. Right, and so now you have them at, like, six or seven. So my prediction still holds true that by week one, you will be down to bet plus 500. <laughs> I, I am – I would bet my life. Like you could give me the longest odds possible and I would bet it because I'm so sure of that happening. Um, But yeah, I agree. Like, and I think also this is kind of what happens with the Eagles in general. Like they lose on Sunday. On Monday, everybody thinks they're terrible. Tuesday, you're like, uh, Wednesday, you start to turn around. And then by like Friday or Saturday, you like kind of forget how bad they are. And maybe that's what's happening in the off season. It's just going slower because there's a lot more time. Like your frustration level is is slowly because it's hard to be mad. Waning for, a little you know, bit. Yeah. Yeah, like seven, eight months. It's, it's just amazing. Hard to and, just picking Devontae Smith, what a difference that can make, right? <laughs> yeah. I think it could make I think it really I think it really could make a big difference. And I actually have a Sirianni point if we if we right. any more draft stuff. No, I, yeah, I, so I got I want to get to Sirianni. So I have Sirianni quickly um, on that point. Though I do just want to reemphasize, though, because I, I you know for twenty twenty one, I do think you make a good point. But the point I made before is still the most important one in my mind. Is that and why I'm so excited about the potential of this draft class is that the long term health of this franchise is still a question mark, player wise, roster wise, all that stuff. Um, yes. And I do think that that's why these picks are so important and they do. I am still very concerned about that. Like, but to your point, I do think they're they're filling the holes for this season nicely um, in a in a season where they have no money, can't do anything, all that. I think they've done a, a nice job of filling around the margins. Um, and again, look, I don't even know if, if if you need to compete this year. Like, I don't I don't really care. I want them to compete because I can't watch an Eagles game and not root for that team. Well, here's but the I good news: they're going to compete because the division's yeah, so bad. I don't know. So I don't know if I want them. Like, I would want playoff games. Like in the moment, you know, I'm going to say yeah, win the division. But I don't know if like holistically how much it does for me to have the, you know, uh, to to win the division rather than the the sixth, seventh, eighth pick again or whatever it is. Like, I don't know where I'm at on that. And they have a left draft capital; they could probably do whatever they want regardless of where they're picking and all that. So there's a lot of factors but i do i do just want to hammer home that my biggest my biggest concern still with the team is the young talent and and developing yeah. and, and growing young talent so i i do think that the fact that they now have three first round picks as i decided i'm saying from here on out i did like your explanation have, on that where basically for those who yeah. didn't listen to our saturday show Elliot was like, are we really going to spend the next year saying a second that can become a one or a first that can become a second? So like, it, like, let's save ourselves the energy and time. Yes, I realize it could be a second round pick, but I'm just going to say first. And I, I co-sign it. Well said. Yes. From here on out, that's all we're saying. So the fact that they have three first round picks next year, I do think it minimizes the need to get a top five pick. Like, so I agree that ultimately this team is in desperate need of young talent and things can change. I mean, a year from now, who knows? Maybe Jalen Reggers looks way better. You know, you you, you never know. But regardless, yes, the, the ultimate need of this franchise right now is young talent because they just don't have a lot. But I think the fact that they have three first round picks next year does minimize the need for a top five pick because you're getting more swings in the first round and you can move up if you really need to. Like if they finish, let's say they compete for a playoff spot, but they don't get it. So they end up drafting like 13th and then you want to go up to seven or eight or whatever, or seven or six. It's really easy to do at that point. I mean, they got Devontae Smith at 10 this year. So you don't, you don't have to be super, super high. And also because I think next year's draft is going to be so deep that a pick in the twenties next year would have probably been like a top 10 pick this year and a pick at the end of the first round, the same thing. So I just think they're loaded in draft capital next year. Like they have to get the picks right ultimately, but the the need to tank is not as bad because of all the capital you have. Yeah. I, that's what I was implying. Like you can, and especially again, look, and we're going to get to it, but like this season comes down to Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni finding out what they are and how Flat good they out. are yeah. and what the questions are. So I want to get Sirianni. I want to get to the Hurts part, but to your point, yes, like ultimately they have enough draft capital that if they need to go up to the top and get a quarterback, they could do that. If they need to go up and get a, a, a player they really want to fill out around Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts is awesome, they could do that. So I generally agree with that point. Uh, I just need to see how it plays out in terms of of 
what I want in terms of the outcome. But um, quickly, before we move on to Sirianni and Hertz, I, I want to get into that because I have a Sirianni point as well. Um, before we move on from the draft, two more things. One, um, give me your favorite pick. My, I'll just tell you, I mean, outside Devontae Smith, uh, I'm, I just want it to be known that I'm a, a hashtag Dickerson guy and a hashtag Gainwell guy. I love nice. Kenny Gamewell. We didn't get into enough. I just I love everything I've seen about him, everything I've read about him. I think he's going to be such a perfect complement here. I love I, I, like give me Austin Eckler. I'm so in on having our own Austin Eckler. I love the idea of Gainwell. It just seems like such a value where they got this guy. It's unbelievable he's there at the 150th pick. If you look at every single draft big board, every single one, he's in the 70s or 80s for the most part. So. Um, I uh, I love that pick. Who is your favorite pick outside of the ones we've talked about? Anyone you want to just quickly mention before we move on? Yeah. So Gainwell, obviously. I mean, what, what's so impressive about him to me is he, first of all, he was really good on the ground. He had like 1,400 yards in the only season that he was a full-time starter. So he definitely can run the ball. But his his ability to just catch the ball and his ability to run all the routes on the route tree is going to be really big in Sirianni's offense. So he's not just a guy that's going to catch a lot of like swing passes or, or screens. Like you can send him deep almost. I saw him catch a pass on, a, on, you know, some of the highlights I was watching where he's like 40, 50 yards down the field and he catches it over his shoulder. And it reminded me of how they use Miles Sanders, his rookie year back when they still had a quarterback that could actually throw the ball. Like, and, and you know what I mean? Like he was able to, to be an impact player in the passing game, but and I was a wide receiver well. as well, like early on in his career. So really good hands for a running back. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. So I really like the Gainwell pick. Also, I really quickly liked, before you go on to the next one, the Gainwell pick too. For those who don't realize, I mean, like Memphis has kind of turned into a running back powerhouse the last few years. I mean, Daryl Henderson, yeah. Tony Pollard, Antonio Gibson, and a lot of people who watch Memphis football, at least the ones I've talked to and heard from, think Gainwell was the best of all of them. So for what that's yeah, worth. Exactly. And I mean, Gibson, I believe, moved to receiver because Gainwell was so good at running yep. back in Memphis. So, and we all like uh, Gibson looked awesome in Washington this year's yeah. time. So, agreed. Um, so yeah, love the Gainwell pick, uh, Jacoby Stevens to me. I, now my concern with him is it isn't so much that he's a tweener, like, and I don't think they're going to ultimately, ultimately play him in a true linebacker role. I know he said that he was talking to the linebackers coach the most, but I just like, it's kind of like a lesser version of taking a safety in the first round and then having a weapon because he's a seventh round pick. But I like the idea of them having somebody that uh, Jonathan Gannon can just like get creative with. Not super fast, but again, like he wore number seven at LSU. I think that's meaningful. Like that was the guy on, you know, a big time SEC program that they gave number seven to. And that's a number that they give to their playmaker on the team. Like Leonard Fournette's worn it, Patrick Peterson's worn it. So I really like that about him. I like the fact that. He has a nose for the football. Like, yes, he's not super quick, but LSU put him in the box a lot, and he went and he made plays. Like, whether that be rushing the passer, he's really good against the run. He can probably step in right now in the NFL and cover most tight ends. Obviously, tight ends are starting to get way quicker than they used to, but I like his matchup there. Some running backs, he he is going to struggle. I don't think you can put him in coverage in the slot against any any uh, slot receivers. They're probably just too quick at this point. But when you look at, at LSU, like his freshman year, 50% of the time he was in man coverage. And then last year, like 30% of the time was in the box. So he's done a ton of it. He was super impressive to talk to. Just reminds me a lot of Jalen Mills, like a guy that fell but was a producer at a big-time program that did a lot of different things. So I'm definitely intrigued by him for sure. Give me SEC football players, exactly. Elliot. Yeah, like Give them to take me. Take the SEC guys, and then, you know, you take enough of them, like, things will work out. Yeah, now, buddy. how he didn't take, I mean, the pass rushers, Louisiana Tech, Tulane, USC, that's not ideal. <laughs> but that's why you take a lot of swings. Coastal Carolina, right? Like, that's not super great. But we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well said. All right. I want to get into Sirianni in a second. Also, um, some of the stuff how he said since the draft. We've graded the performance. I want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff he said quickly. As always, let me remind you, and I'm sure you have by now if you listen to this pod, and if you're new to the pod, you need to download the Park Casino Sportsbook app. Elliot and I have been having such a blast betting on games all season long. The off season, we've like ratcheted it to a new level. It's it's basically our life. We have so much yeah. fun, and and I always say, but it's so true, like these games that I couldn't care less about all of a sudden become the most important thing in my life for three hours. Uh, it's just, it's been so much fun. Elliot, any, uh, what you been on lately? So I, I got a, I got a W 
on uh, Monday night. Boom. The, uh, Last you know, pod the, in, in, in real time, people heard you get a loss. So fun to yes. swing that around. Exactly. So uh, Monday night, uh, the number one team in the East caught a dub. And I even took them with the points, too. So I was, I which I don't normally do. I'm more, of money, more of a money line guy, especially when it's up to like six and a half, seven. Um, but yeah, so I felt, I felt good about that. And, uh, yeah, so that was my, my, uh, my latest, you know, so I, I might be taking a trip to Carolina later in the month. And I've been thinking I won't be able to use the parks app. Uh, oh. like, like for like, You're right. you know, five, six days. I, I hadn't, like, I hadn't Elliot. thought about that before, Elliot. but here's why, you, might here's why you'll be in good shape. Password Just or like, shoot, we'll, we'll shoot, split somehow. Shoot me a text. I'll put it in for you. We good to I'm go. Man. I'm See, man. That's how it works. Fra- friends helping friends make money. Exactly that's what right. we do All here. Right. That, that's a big. That's a big relief. You see, this is the kind of fun you can have with your buddies if you download the Park Sportsbook app. Uh, and again, they do everything: uh, in-game betting, which is a wild, intense ride; props, parlays, teasers, anything and everything. You can bet on live individual game performances, home runs, strikeouts, this, that, anything and everything. Any sport you can think of, futures, all of it. And it's fun. It's easy. It's intuitive. And here's the deal: if you sign up now, you get a risk-free bet of up to five. $100. Yes, a $500 risk-free bet. Just download the app or go to parkscasino.com slash PA and use our promo code GOBIRDS. That's G-O-B-I-R-D-S to get your risk-free bet of up to $500. Again, that's P-A-R-X casino.com slash PA. The website has all the details. Your risk-free bet is refunded on your loss as a free bet. As always, as Elliot pointed out, you must be 21 and in Pennsylvania. Gambling problem? Call one 800 Gambler, i.e., I want to get to Sirianni in a sec quickly on Howie before we move on from the draft-specific stuff. Um, Howie has spoken multiple times now, um, spoken after the picks on on, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then went on with Angelo uh, on WIP this morning. Um, I got a couple specific things, but any overall takeaways? I know we talked a little bit on Saturday about the draft video, um, his response to that. Any things from these interviews that, that have kind of stuck out to you with Howie? Yeah, so as we said, we both think Howie had a really good draft. And I don't mean this as a personal shot at Howie because my interaction with him has always been good. But, like, the man just cannot help himself from telling a corny story. He just he cannot help himself. Like, just so many times he goes on these tangents, and I'm just like, oh, buddy, like, come on, man. Like, just just stop. And he's, like, joking about joking about drinking tequila after the draft. Like, he, he told the story very similar to the Derek Barnett one, where he's like, uh, remember the Derek Barnett story where him and Joe Douglas of both course. had the name on a piece of paper oh, and they yeah. walk in and like, it, yeah. So this the story this year was was, was Kenneth Gainwell. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. He's watching video of Kenneth Gainwell and he goes to get his phone to text Sirianni and he already has a text from him about Gainwell. And it's just like, he wants it to be like these like magical like notebook moments where it's like, and that's when we knew like Kenneth Gainwell was going to be our pick in the fifth round or whatever. So... It's just who he is. And then with Angelo, you know, he just like, he loves to tell these corny jokes, but outside of that, Howie's Howie. Like he, he doesn't say a ton. He's very polished in that regard. Um, and I think that's why he tells, like tries to add color is to try to spice things up a little. Um, I mean, I do think one takeaway, and I'm guessing this is what you're going to say is talking about like winning a championship Mm -hmm. and that he's going to compete how he essentially said they don't build a roster to not compete. Um, and I agree with that. Like I've been saying that all off season, this idea that the Eagles are going to be three and 13 or three and 14, whatever it is next year. Like, it's just not true. Like it's just not who they they, are. They still could be, uh, you know, I don't think they will be that bad, but it it is on the table. Like let's not get carried away. Well, anything's on the table. Agree. They went four 11 one last year. The point is more that they're going to try and compete. They're not going to just roll over and say, we don't care about this season. Yeah, and the way they managed the offseason kind of showed that. The fact that they didn't just, like, trade Fletcher Cox, f- trade Lane Johnson. And actually, I'm happy you brought this up because I, I, I forgot I wanted to bring this up to you. So Brian Baldinger shot a video of him. Uh, he's doing a headstand, and he's talking about Landon Dickerson. So obviously tremendous content all around. But what he says is, he says, Landon Dickerson is going to be killing people at right guard next year. Ooh, oh, right. Interesting. And there's been rumors that they're Brandon Brooks trade trade Brandon Brooks. Yep. Interesting. Interesting. Howie has said this is not going to be a redshirt year. 
Yeah, I think Dickerson plays one way or another. Like, I don't know if he takes Samalo's spot or if they trade Brooks or if Brooks just. I don't think he's taking Samalo's spot. I don't think so either, but like, it just feels like this guy's going to play if he's ready to play. You know what I mean? So it's interesting. Well, I, I wonder if they're, if they're like, if they're like, oh, they already know they're trading Brandon Brooks. They like, could. they're not playing. It's certainly possible, here. man. That would make a lot of people were like, why would you take this guy there? A little bit more like, oh, I guess that's why you took him there, huh? So I'm gonna look up Brandon Brooks cap implications really quick. Cause I know that after June 1st, so let's see. All right, I'm pulling it up. Handy dandy over the cap, which always has the great info. Trade post June 1st. All right, so not that much. It only saves a million dollars, so never mind. But it does save them 13 million for the following year. Maybe they would do that. I don't know. Um, but not that much. I would keep Brandon Brooks before I would trade him for a million dollars. Personally. Yeah, well, it's more the the what could you get for him if you could get if it's this you're saving a million dollars and you're getting like a oh yeah, third sounds ridiculous like a, like a fifth. I mean, I was I, gonna like, say a fourth. Yeah, I, I was gonna say a fourth. That was the a fourth was the best I could come up with that didn't sound ridiculous, but is also like wow, you got a fourth. That's pretty good. <laughs> well, if they got a fourth. I would I personally wouldn't do it, but if they got a fourth, that would I couldn't hate on it too much because yeah. that's pretty value for a. Uh, you know, 30, whatever year old, yeah. multiple injuries. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, I, uh, so my big takeaways and you're right. I did want to bring up the thing. Cause I, I actually, so I'm of two minds. I actually really liked the first time he brought up the championship thing when he said, you know, a lot of people are get annoyed with the Eagles taking linemen's, but that's how we won a championship. And that's how we're going to win another championship. I like that. I had no problem with it. Like, First and foremost, I think Howie is reminding people that he won a championship, which he should do. You know, the, I, yes. I think that's the right <laughs> yes. move. Like, he, absolutely. Like, you won a, a freaking championship. You have the right to go out there and say, hey, hey, don't forget, I won a championship. Like, I did do that. So I, I have no problem with that. And I also like that type of mentality. I like that type of talk. I want a team that is trying to win championships, and that's the only goal. So I did like that. When he was on with the Angel, I liked it less the way he talked about Angel, the way he talked about... Cause it just that then it sounded contrived when he did the whole you know 2016 people said we were you know we, we were gonna be a horrible team and then you know 12 months later you know we we did it and he's like uh, I, li I like that, no but then but he's like yeah. and this time we want to do it quicker it's like so you're saying you're winning the Super Bowl next year Howie that's what you're saying you're saying next yeah, year true. it just it just felt forced to me that part felt forced and ultimately like again like he just sounds like a goober. To your point before, like, he sounds like such a goober. Like, um, with Angela, he's like, when Angela's talking about Dickers, he's like, did you, did you hear the carport story? Did you? Oh, let me yeah, tell you the carport yeah, exactly. story. Exactly. It's like, first yeah, of all, exactly. call it a fucking garage, Howie, okay? Uh, yeah, amen. Can we please amen call it? Like, no carport. I, I what are we doing here? You this. Yeah, I texted you this, actually. Uh, it must have been on Saturday. Or I forget what it was. But I texted you saying, Landon Dickerson calls his garage a carport. And I'm, I guess that must just be what people call him down there, so it is what it is. Yeah. But like, well, but we're how he should? How he knows right? it's a yeah? That's true. You know what? You're right. I can't wait. Uh, uh, please tweet us and tell us how dumb we are if a carport is something different than a garage. <laughs> but I'm yeah, oh. <laughs> right because that would be really funny if it wasn't. Yeah. Let me look that up. Either so. way, Car either way, Dick. Yeah, it looks like it's a garage. It looks okay. like it's like a detached garage. Okay, I guess. so garage. We're going with garage. Say garage, right. Howie. Just because Landon Dickerson says carport doesn't mean you say carport. Um, but it was just so so goobery and corny and like the way he tells it and like I don't know. I just he's still a little too. I don't know. I, look, he's clearly very good. I think he's very good in the press wow, conference. Cut that audio. <laughs> <laughs> look at you, radio guy. Cut um, that audio. He's clearly he's clearly very good in the press conferences. I think he's worse in the Angela ones. I think he just is a little too jokey and a little too like flippy. He tries to be very personal. He tries, like, and I, it I, just it doesn't work for me. So I thought it was still a good hit overall. Like, so your thing about the being upset about the uh, we're gonna do it in twelve not months. Upset, do it less, not like, upset. Not upset. It just came off. It, it came off yeah. like when he said it the first time. When he said it on Saturday or whatever it was, or or Friday, whatever it was, when he said the the championship line. Like, that felt authentic to me. That felt like this is how we build to win a championship. With Angela, it felt like, ho-ho, look at us. We did it before. We'll do it quicker this time. See, like that's why the reason— It just I felt inauthentic that time for some reason. Like, it's like it's but not going to happen in 12, mo 12 months. Like, just stop. But the reason I didn't take it that way is because I do think people need reminded of that. Like, I have said it Right, the first season. part. But again, like, 
like again, like they were in such as we've talked about many times from a roster perspective that in 2016 they were just and to Howie's they credit, things talent. he did, yeah. they just had a much better roster. Like they had a much better chance to turn that roster into a Super Bowl roster than they do right now. Yeah, well, look, because Fletcher Cox was younger, Zach Ertz was younger. Exactly, all, all well, these guys were. Kelsey, everybody was, and then you had other guys right. too. You know, so Jenkins yeah. and. McCann. But I was okay with him saying that because I like. I do think Howie, and it's, it rubs people the wrong way, but like, I do think he deserves to flex a little. I agree. To your point, like, that, he I has agree. won a Super Bowl. Like, he has turned the team around. So, I do think sometimes people are so negative about him that he, it's okay for him to remind things. But I, I agree. But overall, I thought his hit, was, I thought his Angelo thing was good. Like, I, I do appreciate how honest he's been about the Tom Donahue agree. thing. Agree. Like, not tried to agree. lie about it. He's been like flat out because it's the truth. Like. People disagree. People don't like not like there's this misconception that everybody in the draft room, like they all raise their hand at once and go like, I love this pick. Like, that's not how it works. Like everyone says what they say and then how he makes the pick or Lurie, I guess, depending if you want to go down that road. But regardless, I, I like the honesty of saying, yeah, Tom Donahue wasn't happy about it. But you know what? Like, I like that. He he spends all your draft uh, scouting these guys. I, I, I liked the overall damage control of the video. Yeah, I did too. I thought he answered it well. I thought it was pretty funny uh, when we found out today that um, that it wasn't want the it wasn't Aaron Robinson after all. Like so much angst was spent among Eagles <laughs> fans know. and Eagles media, being like, "Everyone, Tom Donahoe was right. How could you not take Aaron Robinson there?" And then to find out today that it was actually a defensive tackle that Tom Donahoe wanted was hilarious. Like just yes. just thoroughly enjoyed that. And uh, I think it was Jeff McClain reported, you know, he spoke to sources who confirmed that that was the situation. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny in hindsight, like how worked up everyone got about Aaron Robinson and that it was never going to be Aaron Robinson anyway. Did enjoy yes. that. Did enjoy that. But yeah, I do. I think, look, I think how he explained it well, and I think he's been very honest about it. It's like, at least as far as we know, obviously we weren't there. We don't know what was said and all that. But yeah, I think uh, I think he's handled something that, could have been to your point when we talked on Saturday, like you basically were like, this is, this is going to be there forever. Like for the next year, it's all we're going to see. It's all we're going to talk about. I think how he's done a really good job of diffusing it. I really do. Agreed. Yeah, I do too. Now I think it's something where if they're bad next year, then it's going to be all over the place, you know, but I, I agree that when we recorded the, uh, when we did the show on Saturday, we were both of the mindset of like, this is the defining thing about the draft. And look, I love living in the moment. I have no regret of saying that because we're in the moment. That's what I thought. But I do think now that we're two or three days away, they have they have diffused it well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it hasn't been talked about that much on the radio. No, right? I've we been thought it was going to. We thought it was going to be the 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 thing. The you know the yeah. main the main thing that gets talked about all the time. And and they found a way to move away from that. All right, uh, Sirianni. I'll let you go first. What's your Sirianni thought? So I found out this past week, I don't remember where I found it out, but twice it's been brought up that he was an education major that like, yeah, it was, you know, well, they studied. said it today it, how he said it on with Angelo today. And I caught it too. He said it cause he was talking yeah. about the zoom meeting thing. Like how, when they, you know, hired Sirianni, they were asking coaches how they would adapt to a virtual world and all that. And he's an education major and he had a great plan for that and all that. So that was, that. it came up today. Maybe you heard it somewhere else too, but I know it came up with Angelo. Yeah, so I think that's one of those things that sounds like it's not that important, but deep down is, like, really good about him as a person. You know, like, I think, like, if you're talking about, like, if I was hiring a head coach and I had to, like, parse out all the different things I, I liked or that I wanted in a candidate, my coach having a background or, like, some level of education in uh, teaching and, like, how to, you know— get information over to people in like a, you know, concise way and how to get them to absorb it. Like, I think that's actually super important. So, um, I just, that really stood out to me as a, a very big positive with Sirianni. Like clearly has to know football, like blah, blah, like all those things are true, but I, I think it's like a very good quality of his that Look, he has some level of background in teaching. I, yes. And no, I think it is. And I think it could be, but like, let's be real. Like everyone's college a degree. Like I have a degree in communications. It did. I watched, Film classes. You know, I had to go back to get my master's so I could get into right, this business because right. okay. I did not All do right. it. So, like, saying you're an education major in college doesn't mean you really, like, know that much about teaching. But 
But it is possible that he was an education major and really did want to be a teacher and really took it seriously and did take class. And then maybe he does have that background. I'm just not jumping to the conclusion that he's, you know, this education expert. You know what I mean? But look, no, but I, I think, I, it's, I think a, it's, it's a good quality to have. Absolutely. Again, right now, the Eagles need teachers. They need someone who can come in and teach these guys fundamentals and playing the right way and all type of stuff. I think it's I, I, I didn't I definitely think it's a, a positive and not a negative at all. The question of how much of a positive it is 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 hard to ascertain. You know what I mean? Now, I will say to to counter your point, I doubt when he was taking these classes in college, he was thinking, don't worry, I'm going to be an NFL coach one day. No, no. So, uh, like, so that's true. That's true. He might have been wanting so to be a teacher. So he probably legit might have been like, I'm going to need a job in like a year and a it's half. It's possible. You know? Look, again, we don't know. I, you know, we don't know. Regardless, I, I don't think it hurts for sure. I, I definitely think like if you could say, all right, you have an opportunity for a coach with an education background or not. Like, yeah, I would take the education background. So yeah, I, I thought it was a, a cool little fact. I do. I agree. I, and oh. look, I um look, we mentioned it before. And uh, maybe this is kind of the last thing we'll, we'll get into. Um, but Nick Sirianni is one of the two most important people in our lives right now as Philadelphia Eagles yeah. fans. He is one of the two most important people in our world because this season, and yes, Howie and Jeffrey ultimately just as important, more important, whatever, but right now, like this roster is not fully set. Like we, Howie talked about, he did the Ronald Darby trade thing. Like, you know, like they're, they could add a cornerback. There's other maneuvering that'll be done. We, Zach Ertz will probably be gone. Like there'll be changes, but like the crux of the team is here. We can say for sure that the most important thing about this season is Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni. They're the two most important people in our lives. That Finding out what these guys are is the single most important thing for this team this season. Without a doubt. Yeah, and, absolutely. And I will, like, I, look, again, everyone knows, listen, like, I've said many times that I'm a hundred, I, I, I honestly can't remember someone who came here without me knowing who they were, like a brand new person coming to Philly, who I am rooting for harder than I'm rooting for Nick Sirianni. Like, I... I'm all in on wanting that guy to be amazing. Like, I just want it to work. I want this excitable, over-the-top, young, enthusiastic goober, I'll use it again, to work. I'm, I'm, I'm desperate yeah. for it to work. Again, I don't know that it will. I, I am still worried about the the um, the youth, the inexperience, all that stuff. But, like, I will say, like, a couple months into it now, I'm watching him over the draft and the way he's talking stuff. I'm, he's definitely growing on me. Like, he is. Like, not just as a likability. He's already won me as a likability. But but as a football guy, like, I do think, like, <laughs> the, the stuff we've talked about is fair. Like, the ridiculousness of some of the stuff. But it always came back to, to the point you made, which I totally agreed with. All that matters is when that guy's in front of the locker room with those guys talking football, like, are they in? And I do think there's a chance that those guys are going to be in. Like, I, the more I hear him talk about football, the more I, you know, see the excitement and all that. Like, it is winning me over, Elliot. From It already won me over personally, and it's winning me over yeah. from a football sense, too. He needs to be a good coach, yeah. but I'm, I'm moving in a positive direction with Nick Sirianni. Well, one thing that really kind of shifted my opinion on the possibility that that could happen is, I don't remember if a caller said it or if I thought about it on my own, I, I don't remember, but like he has been around NFL guys before. Like this is not Chip Kelly coming to the NFL where, you know, Chip had a very different personality than different personality than Sirianni, obviously. But it, like with Chip, he had never even been in an NFL locker room. Like Sirianni has been around these guys. So I do think that that helps him. And I think just the more and more we see Sirianni, it's true. Like he is very authentic. Like we just we we talked for ten minutes about how he's how how he does on press conferences. I actually think Sirianni is the best press conference they have right now. Like he's very authentic. His answers are extremely good. Like when you when you just listen to what he says, he actually I think does a great job giving away little uh, nuggets about like football and just like a, a peek into his mind. And he's just he's very like authentic, friendly, like. I, I noticed that during press conferences, someone else, someone else will ask a question and or a question for somebody else, and he'll like chime in. Like he just, again, like he's he's winning me over. It's the only way to say it. I just I'm very impressed with what I see. If you take away that initial press conference, yeah, and and a caller, Ike in Southwest Philly, on our radio show, and and if you listen to the radio show and the pod, you you probably heard the call, but he made yes, a great point was, to us yes, that yes. no one else had made, and it was such a smart. Point, and I, I'm latching onto it. I'm taking it. I'm using it. I, I'm sure you're cool with it. Um, 
But like that that Nick Sirianni, like that he is so real and so authentic with us, with the media, with everything that like he's gonna be that way with players too, and and that stuff matters. Like just knowing that your head coach is like a real dude who's who's straight with you and who is is the person unabashedly the person that he is, no matter what anyone else thinks about it. Like that is, there is something in there. You know what I mean? There's something Mm -hmm. really positive to grab onto in there that, that Nick Sirianni is unabashedly unapologetically who he is in any setting. I, I think that's something to get excited about, something to be positive about. Yeah. Agreed. I, I, I agree. Um, you know, we, we started the pod on Thursday when they took uh, Devontae Smith saying, like, Eagles fans needed some positivity. And I just noticed that it it does feel more positive around this team than it has in a really long time. Like, even the callers that call in and stuff, and look, some people don't like the Devontae Smith pick, which I just flat out don't get, but, but whatever. But in general, it feels like the Eagles have turned a corner of – Everything they did prior was toxic. Like, no matter what it was, like, it was met with negativity. I feel like they've turned a corner a little bit in that regard, and they're kind of getting back to, um, you know, people not hating them. I yeah, guess. but and but it was met with negativity for good reason. For a reason, yes. It deserved it. 100%. And there yes. are still questions about the, the, the way the front office works, the involvement, all these things. These are still questions that are not fully answered. They had a good weekend. I'm not like ready to say, oh, everything's fine, but I am more positive than I was before the weekend started. So I, I have to be real about that, but I'm still concerned. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm still concerned about Howie Roseman, about the front office, the way these things work, all that. Like, I don't, one good weekend is not going to totally change what happened the last two years, year and a half, whatever. But it's certainly most positive. I, I mean, obviously, you talked to me. It's the most positive I've been about the team in a while. So, so that's something. yeah. There's just no doubt in my mind you're gonna end up betting them plus five hundred. <laughs> like I just, I've just never been more sure of anything. So, all right, I'm I'm excited for that moment to come. Quickly before we get out of here, Jalen Hurts. Uh, I'm assuming uh, we both think Jalen Hurts comes out of this weekend feeling damn good. The Eagles do not draft a quarterback. They go get his boy, much less a number one weapon for him. Um, I think if you're Jalen Hurts, you're feeling pretty good coming out of the draft. Weekend. Yeah, and, and then they go get his center, yeah, too, right? Yeah, and then the next true. round. Yeah. yeah. Well, Grant, so, I don't know if they yeah. ever played together, uh, Dickerson and him, but regardless, I'm sure he's happy to have someone protect him, regardless. Oh, yeah, good point. Because I guess he was there. I, two yeah, years, I checked it up. So it like fair. Dickerson was there yes, two yes, years. Yeah. So so they didn't they don't I don't think they ever like but he would know him. Like obviously Hertz was in the locker room after the championship game and all that. Like, I'm sure they know each other. So right. Right. But yeah, no, I think it, it was a very good weekend for Jalen Hurts. And maybe they make a move at quarterback. I guess like the Deshaun Watson thing's kind of always lingering because you never know. But I just, I really hope they move forward with Jalen Hurts. I want to see Jalen Hurts. I, I like having the draft capital. It would just, that would be very clear cut the move for me. And I think that's what they're going to end up doing. I mean, they didn't even draft a quarterback at all. So yeah, they signed a UDFA. Like, yeah. And Jamie Newman's like in a, an I actually really kid, I like, like the signing. Guy. I like the signing. Yeah. It seems like he's one of those guys. If he had opted out, he probably would have been drafted somewhere. So, right. So I I like that signing. But again, like Jamie Newman's not beating out. Jay no. Hurts. So and look, I think yeah, so I think that there's no real competition. Sometimes, sometimes there's so many reports and there's so many stories and there's so many things that come out. Um, I think we should look back to that one, and we've talked about them all here, and we've been varying degrees of believing this and that or whatever. I think we go back to that Mort report, report, <laughs> Chris Morton's report from a while back, Mort report, where yeah. he said, where he said Jeffrey Lurie wants him to build around Hertz, uh, and there was a lot of smoke after, and all this intro and all. That. Like, I think that report was right. I think Jalen Hurts was the guy this whole time. The yep. Brian Johnson signing, you and I talked about that, like in the moment and after, but like. You don't go get Brian Johnson if you're not going to have Jalen Hurts here. If you're going to compete against Jalen Hurts or whatever, like that just it. And I like Brian Johnson, the signing on its own, but with Hurts here, it just felt like so many things were leading towards them wanting to give Hurts a shot this year. And I think that was always the intent, unless they, unless the Deshaun Watson thing like cleared up quickly and they go get him right now. Like I thought, I think they were keeping their options open, but I think their main plan was Jalen Hurts was going to be the guy for this year, and let's see what happens. Yeah, and I think it should be their plan. Agree, so we both I, wanted that. Yeah. That's all we've said the whole time. Like we were intrigued by Fields, this and that, but like on a basic level, like give Hertz a year, see what you got. Yep, 
Agreed. So I, I think it was a very good weekend for Jalen Hurts. All right. Uh, you got anything else? Well, I have some non-sports stuff, obviously. Ooh, well, that's what, so final thoughts range. Good. Because my final thoughts is yes. actually sports related. So final thought or thoughts, sir. Okay. So I have a new TV show I'm watching. Ooh. And it's it's just so good. It's I can't express to you how much I'm enjoying it. Wow. Um, it's called... The Murders at White House Farm. It's on HBO Max. It's about uh, a murder that takes place ooh, in a farmhouse. Ooh, don't farmhouse. get too much. I'm already in on I, this. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's about a, a murder of a you know. I don't need to hear anymore. In, We're good. Yeah. We're good. So but it has like a lot of Games of Thrones people in it. Uh, the Murders at White House. It's called. The Murders at White House Farm. In. Now, so in the the only downside is it's only six episodes. Uh is a bummer but so me and Kristen watched four yesterday like oh, buddy we, we only planned to watch one and then we ended up staying super late and after the fourth we were like all right we, we have to turn it off now the good news is it was raining outside so I wasn't going to be able to sleep anyway so I was down <laughs> to but it's like I, I cannot wait to finish it so I like we talked about Ted Lasso how much we, re- we, re- we recommend that if you're listening at this point still, like the murders at White House Farm, real one alert. Like that is the show you have to watch. Okay, good. I I will. I mean, it's right up my alley. I'm in. So you don't. Have to you're gonna me. love it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very in. Is that it? Was that that? You said you had takes. Well, is that I, the one? Yeah. Well, the other one is. So I talked on the last pod about how I've been really into soccer and I'm like trying to learn all about it. Mm-hmm. Their relegation system is awesome. Like I, I knew. <laughs> I knew about it. I knew that if you didn't, if you finished in the bottom of the Premier League, that you went down. Like I did know that, but I actually have been like taking notes and trying to teach myself. And it's crazy. Like it goes from the Premier League to the league below that, to the league below that, to the league below that. And then there's actually another one below that too. But regardless, like the concept of a team moving up and then going up to the Premier League is aw- like awesome to me. Like just to think that like you could be a team of a fan. It would be like if the Reading Phillies or whatever could work their way up into the Major League Baseball, and then that town in in Reading was able to like really get behind it and watch like Reading play like Yankee Stadium and like. So anyway, I'm gonna pick a team in each division, and they're gonna be my new squad. (laughs) So I love it. I love it. Super, very into it. I wish there was a way they could do it with pro sports here. It's just very different, so I don't think they would ever actually be able to to do it. But it is really cool. It's a great thought. Uh, yeah, if, if we could, I love the concept of it. It would just never work here. Um, all right. Um, love that. I'm in for the murder at White House Farm. Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm like 100% in on this. The next time we talk next week, I will have watched at least an episode or two. I'm not as quick as you are with the TV. You know that. I well, you'll definitely watch multiples. I'm, I have I'm no a, doubt. I'm a busy mind. man, Elliot. Um, you got to watch the Derek Delgadio thing still too. You texted me. You didn't watch no. it. No. Well, I almost, me and Kristen almost watched it. And then we watched a documentary about Nickelodeon, which was really good. Yeah, but I'm sure not as good as Sorry. what I suggested, but that's yeah. fine. That's my fine. apologies. All right. My final thought. And this, um, goes for the team, their fan base. I'm going to say it in one sentence, but I want to, I want to make sure that the, the fan base is included. The front office is included. The team the players everything having to do with this is included elliot shore parks the new york giants are the biggest losers in the history of sports what a bunch of crybaby losers from their players on down to their fans oh my god thank you where you were going thank you howie roseman for screwing over the giants yet again so i could see their crybaby whiny ass fans Punching holes in walls, cursing out, oh, you're screwing us again. And then, oh my goodness, Jabril Peppers, straight loser. And Elliot, you pressed <laughs> me on this in the in my my deepest hate of Howie times. You pressed me and I refuse to answer. I'll say it here today. Howie Roseman's a better general manager than David Gettleman. David Gettleman's a dinosaur, a loser. His whole team is losers. Thank you very much. Well, look, you've been the star of this podcast from your positivity <laughs> to that right there. Like, uh, so just a perfect ending to it. Look, I've been saying that about the Giants. The Giants are not a real team. Yep. There is a 0% chance they're going to be actually competitive this year. Like, just a 0% chance. So, I, uh, I mean, you, you, you put it well. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Jones stinks. 
That guy stinks. He has 29 fumbles in 27 I games. I saw that. Unbelievable. <laughs> like, unbelievable. I, I think, honestly, if I play, well, I wouldn't survive 29 games. But, like, a fumble a game, at a certain point, you would think, like, you would you would correct that. But I guess we saw with Carson, it's not that easy to do. Hey, yo. I love how you just snuck that in there. There you go. Also, really quick, actually. What a crime, It was baby. really funny the... when the Colts drafted a quarterback and... And he was trending nationally. <laughs> where, where, where people tweeting like, you know, like, oh, is Carson demanded a trade yet? Like, blah, blah. And, it. you know, it is funny, but it's also kind of like, it's one of those things where if Carson doesn't turn it around, like, the defi- one of the defining parts of his career could be, like, him, him being viewed as, you know, jump as, as leaving a team just because of a quarterback competition. And I don't <laughs> think that's why he left and blah, blah, blah. Like, we've talked about this at length. But... Yeah, I mean, there is the fact that it was trending nationally was interesting. So Carson's got a lot to prove next year. Well deserved. Should be trending yes, nationally. Agreed. Don't be a baby and force your way out of a situation. He's Elliot. I'm James. We'll talk to you guys later.